0: And then, after leading her neighborhood Bible study and feeding all the needy children in the inner city, Perfect Mommy flew all around her sparkling clean home to plant flowers and wonderful love notes for her family. But she didn't stop there. Perfect Mommy walked the dog, sang lullabies to the baby, And then gathered up Daddy's slippers and newspaper, waiting patiently for him to appear at the front door.
1: (laughs) Well, that sounds kind of like a fairy tale from way back uh, years ago. It's really not possible to do everything perfectly as a mom or a dad, is it? Uh, Probably not. Today on Focus on the Family, we'll be sharing some insights and healthier perspectives on motherhood in particular uh, with practical ways that you can find the right balance of expectations and priorities and self-care. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus on the Family President and author Jim Daly. John, I don't know if we say it enough. Moms
2: are incredible. They I mean, are. that's the yes. bottom line. Moms are steady, they are incredible. My mom was incredible. I mean, she was a single mom after my dad and her divorce when I was five. She had five children under 18, and she worked two jobs just to keep it all together. Somehow, I remember Sunday nights folding laundry with her hmm. as a six, seven, eight year old. It was amazing. She just. She could do it, and now that I'm an adult with my own children, I'm going, wow, how did she do that? And there's so many moms in marriage doing well and single moms that are carrying a heavy load and Mm -hmm. doing it as best as they can, and my heart goes out to you, I love moms. (laughs) I mean, they just, that's it. My mom was that kind of mom, and I think the Lord created women for that nurturing and care. It's like they can give to the very end of their well. And they'll give you the last cup mm. out of that well for you if you need it. And that is the heart of a mother. And today we're going to talk about being that kind of mom. Here's an important observation from our guest today. She said, with motherhood, there is no stopping point. There's no clocking out, checking out, or leaving work behind And as your kids grow up, the demands only multiply. And that is a statement, and you're going to hear from her today, Carrie Kampakis. She is full of mommy wisdom.
1: And I'm going to encourage husbands to lean in here, too, because uh, your wife has this role, and this this is going to be encouraging. (laughs) Thanks for that
2: reminder, John. And
1: Carrie is an author, speaker, podcaster, mom to four daughters, aging in range from 12 to 20 or so. And Carrie has written a book that is going to be the basis for our conversation today called More Than a Mom. How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive. Carrie, welcome back to Focus. Good to have you.
3: It's great to be back.
1: Um, Let's get right to it. I mean,
2: you're the mother of four daughters. At what age was your oldest when your youngest was born?
3: She was seven.
2: So you had four, seven, and under. Right. Okay, so how'd you keep it all together? That's the question every mom wants me to ask you.
3: By the grace of God. (laughs) I mean, it was survival in those years. It really was.
2: Well, you know, that idea of giving the last cup out of your well must have resonated with you. I mean, yeah, moms just have this incredible capacity to just continue to give, 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 sometimes to their, maybe often to their detriment. So speak to that well idea and how you need to keep something in the well.
3: Right, And, you know, this book, I don't think I would have written it maybe even five years ago, but it's probably the season of parenting that I'm in now that you start realizing, oh, all those things you heard, it really is true, just needing to rest and not running full throttle all the time.
2: Well, that's encouraging for Mm -hmm. moms of younger kids that are listening because it does get, it's different. Yes, you know, but the pace when you have all the young kids at the home and you're running around just trying to keep it all together, right? Right, and get it all done, and you know, for some moms, they're also working too. That's not uncommon today. So it's this incredible juggling act that you never—I'm assuming—you never feel like you you got it all done the way you'd want to get it all done,
3: right? It and never how do you feels rest like in yeah. that? <laughs> right. Exactly. And and there's this feeling in this mentality that like if I rest or if I stop, the mothership is going to go down and mm-hmm. everything will fall apart. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that especially as your kids get older, they need more from you emotionally. But sometimes I was so tapped out that I was irritable or angry. I was not able to give them what they needed emotionally. So it really makes you take a look at yourself and think, OK, what am I doing in my lifestyle that's depriving my family what they need from me yeah i think the biggest thing is just knowing that you are a human being i mean the whole theme of this book is you're more than a mom like we feel like that's our biggest purpose in this world and it is such a huge purpose but more than that our greatest identity is that we're a child of god Mm -hmm. and he's given us these gifts our life our body our time our family to be a good steward of these gifts, and we can't be a good steward if we're not taking care of our needs as a, a human being. So the first thought is sleep. You know, making sure mm-hmm. we're getting enough sleep. And as we get older, I'm like, I, I will not sacrifice my sleep anymore. Like it's just better for me to stop at <laughs> I, eight o'clock. I resonate with that. You know, I mean, my dad has said he's like, the older you get, the more your body dictates what you can and can't do. Yeah. And I do think that's a grace from God to kind of get us on a better pattern in a better rhythm because now i'm looking ahead i'm like i want to be a healthy grandparent i want to be able to support my daughters as they grow up but if i kept up this old pace that i was that i had i won't be in a good position to do that
2: yeah so. well speak to that i mean i would think and again just in our own household you know the pace was going go go the kids would go down when they were younger at eight o'clock mm-hmm. well, of course then it's all the stuff you got to take care of paying the bills cleaning up You know, getting some loads of laundry done, maybe, or something like that. How did you find a good rhythm in that regard that maybe you could get to bed at nine o'clock so you can be fresh the next day?
3: For me, I'm such a, a doer. I had to really just minimize my to-do list. And I know that's counter-cultural. And be okay with that. I had to be okay with it. Like, you know, what are my two or three most important things that I have to do today? And then if I get those done and I have time to do other things, that's just icing on the cake. But yeah. I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. Yeah. So before, and like with my calendar, I used to pack it full. I might have, you know, coffee with a mom in the morning and dinner that night with somebody or I just would have too much in a day, so if there was a glitch in the day or a child needed me or I had to go check them out of school or whatever, I would get mad and upset because i 'd left no room for glitches, yeah, and so I really had to just learn to put some some white space in my calendar and i 've even learned and to be wise with your nose and to know that you know we have to set boundaries in our life and to think about how you know when we were growing up parents and and families could rejuvenate at home, that it was considered rude to even call somebody after nine o'clock at night. So you had that space to restore yourself, to decompress, and now we're expected to be on 24-7. And so, you know, like my mistake when cell phones first came out, I remember thinking I had to respond immediately just because that's my personality. And so it was detracting from my family, um, you know, at the ballpark and not yeah. paying attention to her, um, you know, her run that she's running and because I'm answering this email. So really setting boundaries on our time. And then the world yeah. is not going to fall apart if we make somebody wait on yeah. an answer to an email or what a text I'm, message.
2: What I'm hearing in there is a lot of prioritization. Yes. And it, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying load up more. I'm saying good prioritization, meaning you know what you don't need to do today. Right. That's actually a good thing. It's a good skill. Jean gave a wonderful compliment to a friend we have in Houston. We were over at their home, uh, kind of a dinner party that she threw. And when we were leaving the house, Jean said to me, you know, it was so refreshing. Her kitchen and her home looked lived in. Mm. She didn't have to, like, clean it to the hilt. And Jean meant that as a compliment. And she's a mom of teenagers, so she's got a lot going on. And I thought, wow, that's really good. I mean, it didn't – Jean was like, oh, my goodness. It just things were lived in, and there were things that were not picked up, and that's okay. Right. And moms need to be good with that.
3: Right, exactly. Even if company's coming. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because sometimes we're not getting those relationship needs met because we think everything has to be perfect before we can invite people over. And nobody cares, you yeah. know, they just want to spend time together. That kind
2: of pours into this multitasking thing. You know, I think, mm-hmm. guys, we get so much, uh, I don't know, good feeling out of our title or, you know, the fact, yes, I'm so busy. I had 14 meetings today and, oh, you wouldn't believe how, blah, 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 blah. Right? right. And I think women, to a degree, they kind of find that same ego stroke when it comes to multitasking. Yes. Women are good multitasking. We multitask all the time. We do this, that. Day. Uh, maybe not. Right. Maybe you need to assess that. How do you view multitasking?
3: You know, my my thoughts on multitasking really changed. It was a few years ago when a mom was telling me that her brother's a psychologist and said that we're actually less efficient when we multitask. And you know when your when your kids are little, I used to always say, "Mommy's not an octopus," but that's what I felt like. I mean, I was wow. constantly multitasking. What a great word picture. But I was, I was like, "Okay, this child needs a sippy cup. <laughs> this child's about to run out in the street." You know, like, "Where's the baby?" So you're constantly multitasking. And I think for a lot of moms, we don't ever get out of that mode, and so we're doing several things at once. But what I learned about myself was I was more prone to making mistakes when I was doing that. Like I would have a check that I didn't sign and I'd send it in the mail because I was you doing that. You did that too. Yes, that makes me
2: feel better. Yes, I mean, but I'm like checking
3: email the same time and working on a document like oh I can I'm a I'm on multitask and so I've had to really like train myself to just be like okay one thing at a time focus on one thing at a time and a friend of mine I think this is a great example she said that she has four kids like I do so lots of laundry and she used to when she was putting up laundry she would listen to a sermon from church and she goes I would put the laptop On top of my laundry basket and like go from room to room with this laptop. But she realized that she was missing key parts of the sermon that way. So she would put up the laundry and then she would make herself sit on the couch and just watch the sermon. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's such, it's common sense, but I was like, but she's like that way I could really take it in and not be distracted. And I think that's a great example of not multitasking. We can be more efficient, and really be more present in our lives than if we're trying to do three things at once. I
2: thought you were going to say she threw the laptop into the washer <laughs> you know, with the laundry. <laughs> Maybe boom. that you know, would have happened. That would happen on that once that or that twice, happens. and you'd learn. But yeah. uh, let me ask you, you point to the example of Jesus. This is always the trump card, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus seemed to be holy in the moment, uh, You know, wasn't multitasking per se, retreated for refreshment for You know, to re energize himself. So, what can Jesus teach the mom about, you know, managing the day?
3: Yes. I mean, I think the Bible is just full of these instances when Jesus, especially before something big, like the night before he picked the disciples, he retreated to a mountaintop and just prayed all night long. And just he had to set boundaries around his time because people needed him all the time. And just to remind ourselves, like, if Jesus could make time to rest, then surely we can too, Mm. that the world will not stop spinning if we take a little time to rest. And instead, when we're ready to pour out again, we'll be giving 100% rather than 80%. Mm. But it is a fight, and you have to be very intentional because we live in a culture of unrest, and uh, you know, somebody told me once. I thought this was good that you know, if you you got to prioritize what's important over what's urgent, because what somebody else is considering urgent might not be what's really important. And we can yeah. spend our days just putting out fires and spending our time doing all these things that don't really benefit our family or don't really fit into the calling that God has for us. Yeah, you
2: know, so much of that environment, especially again with a mom with younger children mm-hmm. and just the go-go pace that that creates, and you feel like it's never going to ease up. You know, it's always going to be like they're two three and four and it's always going to be a load of laundry and it's always going to be all this (laughs) stuff and in that you lose your joy Um, you mentioned the book uh, and you encourage moms in the book to choose joy Mm -hmm. so okay this is going to be complicated because the mom's listening you're listening right now going you know it's hard to choose joy carrie (laughs) you know (laughs) you remember those days of all that laundry and everything going on so how do you choose joy
3: Right. You know, and I totally relate. And I think my life is, I don't want to say it's easier now, but I don't long to go back to the little years. Like those were hard years, especially If your husband's working late, like my husband was at the time, or, you know, you're a single mom doing it by yourself, then there's so many needs. But um, I do think looking for joy in the moment. And one a young mom told me this, she said, my favorite parenting advice that I've had was a mom told me to, you know, to remember that when you're wishing away the hard parts of a season, you're wishing away the sweet parts of that season, too. So when you're wishing away the toddler years, I wish they would just, you know, quit getting ear infections and quit throwing tantrums in Target and all the things that make it so hard you're also wishing away how cute they look in their oh, little yeah. pajamas at night, the fact that they want you to read them bedtime stories. You know, you think these moments will last forever, and they won't. We all know that having older kids, that they won't, they won't give you that opportunity in a few years. And so, you know, to really just trying to find those joy in the moment. And I look back sometimes on old videos of myself, and I'm like, I totally miss the joy in that moment or that season. And one example comes to mind was I had this vision one Saturday morning. I would built this fun blow-up pool with all the bells and whistles at Target. And I thought, <laughs> okay, this is great. I'm going to take with my real camera take some fun pictures of my girls the next morning so we had it all set up had it all planned out in my head and we had the video camera going on (laughs) <laughs> and they run outside in their pajamas. Like, this is not going according to plan. Yeah. And they are you jumping wanted the them pool. in their swimsuits. In their matching swimsuits. Exactly. <laughs> I wanted, I had the vision in my head. And um, I'm glad. I think my husband got it on camera, and I'm glad he did because, you know, then the baby's getting in there and she's a diaper and the diaper's loaded with water. And you're like, oh, this Ooh. is so plain I out you're but.
2: going a different direction. I <laughs> know. No, no,
3: you know, like the di- it's just like yes. everything. It's just like one thing after another. It makes me feel so frazzled. And, and I'm thinking, y'all need to go put on your swimsuits. And my husband's dying laughing but I watched that video a few years ago and I just hear their squeals and their giggles and I'm looking at it and I'm like gosh we had fun you know like we had fun they had a great childhood and I totally missed the joy of that day because mm-hmm. I was so irritated that it was not playing out the way I wanted
2: so let me go back to that question though mm-hmm. how do you choose joy how, how do you if you were to rewind that videotape mm-hmm. how would you have lived that differently that day
3: I think I would have told myself, you know what, just go with it. You know that these are kids, and thank God that they are having a childhood, that they are – getting to experience the magic of childhood, because it will, sure enough, you know, there will be moments when this is not the case, the culture that they're in, but just knowing that it's temporary and that, you know, one day I'm going to miss this, and it's not playing out the way that I want, but I'm not going to let that steal my joy, and for me, I have to remind myself that, you know, God is found in the present, and so many times we miss him because we're looking at the past or we're looking at the future. We want them to be easier. We think our life will be better in the future, or we're dwelling in regret or something from the past. And we're just not enjoying that present grace. And it could be a terrible day. Like, I've had so many terrible days, but then I'm driving home and I see this rainbow. like, you know, and I'm like, thank you, God. Like, yeah. you knew I would be at this red light and that I would look up and see this rainbow. And that was exactly what my heart needed today.
2: Carrie, there was a tender story that you shared that I think really um, sums up so much of the experience of being a mom and being a daughter, actually. It was that weekend that your mom was struggling, life and death struggle in a hospital, and you had to leave her and go with your daughter to a tea. And I think she was in kindergarten. That had to be what a swirl of emotions. Describe that day and what you were experiencing
3: yeah that day was a real turning point for me as a mom it was a few years ago my mom passed away almost three years ago but she had this four-year illness and she never walked again Mm -hmm. and this happened at the beginning it was it was right before mother's day she just we don't know why her her health took a sudden decline but she was in really bad condition like we thought we were going to lose her and all Mm -hmm. i could think was like the irony of losing your mom over mother's day weekend and so she was in the hospital and i remember being at the hospital on that friday I mean, we were all, my siblings and I had been crying all week. My dad looked like he'd aged about 10 years. Like, it was just sad because we thought we were going to lose her. So I'd been at the hospital crying all day. And my phone, the buzzer went off, the alarm went off, and I realized I had to go to a kindergarten tea for my youngest daughter, Camille. And I'm thinking, I do not feel like going to that. Oh, you I know, you know. And I think so many moms are in that position. You're just in such a sad situation, but I got to go do this. So I made myself go. Of course I wouldn't miss it. And then I get to the kindergarten classroom, and the scene is completely different than what I just left. It's like I left this place of like you know death, where people were nearing the end of their journey to this place of life, where these kids were just beginning their journey, mm. and it was loud and fun and squeals and laughter. And at first, I was like, I don't think I can do this. But then as they started putting on their show, these kids, and they're singing for their moms, and they're just smiling and happy, I found myself crying again, only this time it was like tears of joy. And at first I felt guilty. I'm like, how can I be feeling this on a day when my mom is in such a bad position? Mm. And then I remembered, like, God is just so gracious that he knew I needed this hour of joy on a really sad day. And more than that, you know, I, I never planned to have four children. I never imagined myself with four children. So when I got pregnant with Camille, it was a hard pregnancy. Like, I thought, and I can't handle this. I can't, I'm already overwhelmed with three children, so I just found myself thinking, like even when I was com- when I was pregnant with Camille, and I couldn't see the amazing blessing that she would be. God knew that He would use her on this day. He's used her in so many other ways too. But mm. it just made me gave. Give thanks for His goodness. Like you knew that this child, I didn't have the foresight to pray for, but thank you, God, that she's part of our family. That on this day in particular, you would really use her to restore my heart.
2: Absolutely, and the poetry of the day mm-hmm. on Mother's Day, and your mom dying, you know, in that hospital eventually, and then going to the party. Right. I mean, what what a an array of emotion for you. But yes. to, you, you said it changed your life. Mm-hmm. How, how specifically toward your daughters? Thinking about the future, you know, that's a place you may be someday, right? That you will be.
3: Yes, exactly. And it's just really, I think that was the beginning of this journey where I'm just at the age where I call the 40s big league stress, you know, like (laughs) your people are going through major things, whether it's, you know, death, divorce, financial loss, wayward children, like so many things that can leave us just in a place of despair. Mm. And I find myself so often like, you've got to fight for your joy. And it might be that moment of joy, but you've got to fight for those moments and say, so many things are wrong right now, but this is right. And I'm going to thank God that this is right for today. Um, But I think in the movie Still Magnolias, which is one of my favorite movies, but in it – you know, the the woman, one of the main characters, her daughter has died and her friends are consoling her and it's Dolly Parton's character and she says, Laughter through tears is my favorite emotion and I think you know God gives us that gift of laughter, and He gives us those moments of joy, and sometimes that's what restores our hope and keeps us going and moving forward and I'm not saying we don't need to feel the pain and mourn and grieve, but also do it as people of hope, as the yeah. Bible tells us well, that's
2: a good reminder uh, mm-hmm. describe the spiritual battle you want moms to prepare for, and how how do they prepare I mean it sounds like you're in a boot camp all <laughs> right girls here's what's going to happen but what what does that spiritual battle look like and what do women, moms particularly, need to prepare for?
3: Yeah, I think moms just need to know that, you know, we live in a world of good versus evil, and what God wants, we have an enemy who wants the exact opposite. And I often think the Greek word for devil is diablos, and it means the one who divides. And my husband and I even talk about this in our marriage, that sometimes when we're like irritated with each other, or having that thought process that's taking you in a negative place, we have to tell ourselves that's the devil <laughs> getting to us that, to really fight. And so I think that as moms, to know that to be, it doesn't matter if you're just walking one step ahead of your child in faith, that you can be a powerful prayer warrior for your child and for yourself too, and mm-hmm. to know that it is a battle. And we know that God's going to win this battle of good versus evil. He's going to come out on top and that through Jesus we are conquerors. But it doesn't always look pretty in the process. And just know that you know sometimes we're barely hanging on, but we're still in the fight. And just to keep going and, like you said, surround yourself with, with godly people, people who lift you up, who give you that... that Glimpse of joy on a really hard day. Just remind you that God is present, um, and just praying for the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit to to get through these battles that we're fighting. Yeah.
2: You know, Carrie, moms can uh, they can just carry so much inside that mm-hmm. is never really revealed. You know, they're just carrying all these burdens for their children, for their marital relationship. Then you have single moms who you know that has blown up, and they're trying to carry the load, be mom and dad for their children and it's just such a variety of things that are occurring for that woman. You encourage women not to feel like victims. And that's a very easy place for people to go, men and women, mm-hmm. you know, but we're talking about women today, but the one who doesn't have the marriage she thought she would have and therefore her parenting is more difficult and and now I become a victim of my bad marriage because I'm having to carry the load of so much. My husband's disconnected. He's not engaged with the kids. That may all be true. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you encourage a woman not to be a victim? And what power is there in that?
3: You know, I think the power for me, what I'm so aware of, especially the ages that my girls are now, they're teenagers. And when my mom passed away, I had so many memories from my teenage years and my early 20s. Like that was the flood. And I think it's because one, you're you're present with them still a lot and also you're in a place mentally where you're really taking it in so when I'm going through a challenge or a hard time I'm so mindful of like okay this is hard but I'm creating a blueprint for my daughters to follow Mm. and we have no idea like our poor children and our grandchildren like they're facing way bigger challenges than what we've faced in our life and so we're really preparing them for that. So I think as we look at our challenges, we're like, okay, what do I want to model for my child? And I'm not saying don't show them that, like, I'm stressed today, I'm anxious, but, you know, but really modeling for them what we hope that they will do in their life, because they're going to have challenges, too. And the way that we are coping with ours today sets a blueprint for that. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think it's so important because working with teenagers, like, they just see perfection all around them. And I think that's the source of a lot of discontent and anxiety is they think their life is supposed to be perfect, or they're supposed to be perfect, and and it's just not that way. And so it's like setting that example of like, okay, this is not a perfect situation, but we're going to do the best we can given these circumstances, yeah. and trusting God to work with that. And yeah. I mean, I think so many people you meet that they are passionate about something, it's usually because of a void in their life. Yeah. So say you're worried your child is growing up without a father, and it's so hard, and it's it's not the way God designed it to be. But God can still use that void in their life, you know if you're faithful and you're teaching your child to be faithful, like who knows that they might grow up and do something good with that, and they yeah. might create a ministry or do work that's related to that void in their life, and it's bringing purpose out of their pain
2: yeah that's so good, mm. I think uh, too, I think that idea of not becoming a victim is so powerful because mm-hmm. as christians we're we're victim to no one. Right? (laughs) Right? We're salvation in Christ, and Christ is is everything for us Mm -hmm. and covers everything. So that joy should come a little easier. Carrie, this has been so good. Thank Mm -hmm. you for being here today and talking to moms about uh, the important things in life. Let me ask you this last question. Okay. When your daughters are 40 and 50-something, whether you're here or in heaven, what do you want them to say about you?
3: First thing I want them to say is she tried. <laughs> she tried. She's right hard. She tried. Yeah. Knowing what she knew at the time, she gave her best, and she loved us. I just want them to have no doubt no. that I love them, and I would sacrifice my life for them and that they were worth that. And I hope that that's what they will do for their children too.
2: Yeah, what a great model that is. Mm. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Thank you for having me. I love being with you all.
1: On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.
0: I love the title of today's program, Moms Are Human Too. (laughs) And I so appreciated what Carrie shared about rest and choosing joy in our hectic lives. And fighting for what's right, especially in spiritual battles. I think this has been a message of hope for moms. That with God's help, moms don't need to be overwhelmed by circumstances, but can find hope for another day of motherhood. And I do hope you've been encouraged. If you missed part of the broadcast, you can listen again on the podcast or on our Focus Africa app. And I want to ask that you share this program with other moms that may need to hear this. And I'd really encourage you to get a copy of the book by Carrie Kampakis, More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive. Empower your son or daughter by tending to your heart, soul, body and mind. Give them a vision of a healthy adult and know that As they launch into the real world, they will build on what you started. You can get your copy when you call us on 031-716-3300 or when you visit our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for being with us today. I'm Alison Schnell for Focus on the Family Africa, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.